continue in this uh, series, in this thought process, and then um, we're going to do, I'm going to ask a few individuals that are, um, I already talked to them, and they're going to, they're going to be very open and transparent, and uh, to help everybody else out here regarding how to resist the enemy, and so we're going to continue to talk about this idea of standing fast. I want to start my message by just sharing this thought that the greatest place a believer is fighting for is to, by faith, rest in God. I want to make sure I just linger there for a moment because sometimes we don't fully understand what that may look like, and some of us don't know if that's even possible within the circumstances that we're facing. And so there's many conflicting contrary thoughts that come to what rest could look like and and what it's supposed to look like. But you are not fighting to get somewhere with God. You're not fighting to get something from God. You're not fighting for God to accept you. You're not fighting for God to appreciate you more or value you more or approve you for who you are. You're fighting to remain in a place of rest with God where you're no longer fearful of what would happen to you. You're no longer fearful of what would come to you as you stand before God on judgment day. One of the greatest struggles I've heard consistently as I have conversation with different people is their doubt in their relationship with God. Is that they don't know where they stand with God. And I want to make a statement, and I know this is very difficult, but if you have fully accepted Jesus, which what I mean by that is that you have believed upon what he has done for you and you have received who he is. Because there's a difference between holding a parachute and studying a parachute and putting it on. Okay, so it's one thing to believe in Jesus. It's another thing to put Jesus on. That's who I'm referring to, okay? If you jump out of the plane holding a parachute, guaranteed the parachute's gonna be coming down a few seconds after you are. And when you put on a parachute, that means you have put your trust in one source, and that's the ability of the parachute to catch the wind. The same thing is with Jesus, and I want you to know this. If you have put Jesus on your life where you said, you know what? I'm no longer living for myself. I live for you. Here's what I want to say to you. You never have to be concerned where you stand with God. Now tell me, is that a place of rest? Yes. But if you go day by day or week by week or month by year or month by month or year by year going, well, God may feel this way toward me today and he could feel what? This way toward me tomorrow. Guess what that does for you? It brings this place of unsettling inside of your heart of going, okay, in order for him to feel this way about me today, in this way about me, to him, me tomorrow, what do I need to do? And the compressor now comes back on you to perform well enough so that God can feel good enough toward you. Are you following me so far? I, I really want to linger for a moment here because I think this is extremely important to understand what rest looks like. His thoughts toward you are what? Precious and they're innumerable. Like, how he thinks towards you is overwhelmingly good. 
And the resounding amen goes from the entire one side of the room to the other. I know you don't believe that. <laughs> That's why I keep on saying it for every single week is that it, it, it's a tough thing to receive that you and God, he doesn't change his mind toward you. He do, that's security. That means I don't have to worry about making sure he's happy with me. I am committed to live a life of obedience. I'm committed to be surrendered to my father. I'm committed to do the will of my father. And yes, there's times where I uh, veer off the mark and he will discipline me according to my behavior, but he does not change his view toward me even though he may take care of what I've done. And then when I can rest in that, now the fight is different. This is no longer consuming my life, whether I'm good with God, whether I'm not, whether he's disappointed, whether he is uh, happy with me, whether he's excited that I'm his son or whether he can't wait for me to just, you know, no longer call him father. When, when I'm there, <laughs> there's no way I can fight what el whatever else is coming my way because this is completely not stable. When this is secure, when you finally come to the point where you believe how he is toward you, then you can now start living the life that he's called you to live. Because you're no longer trying to live it to make this right. Because Jesus already did. Now, I know many of you have heard me say that before, but I think it's worth reiterating as we talk about this idea of resisting the enemy. Now, as I said before, over 63% of people who call themselves believers do not believe there's a real devil. Some of you in this room may be there, I'm not sure, but what I'm saying is if you believe there's no devil, you're going to wonder why in the world are all these things happening to me. And you're going to begin to blame different sources and different things that are taking place and there's a culprit or a little puppeteer behind so many things that are taking place. When somebody does you wrong, guess what we get fixated on? That person did that to what? To me. And Paul says we do not wrestle with, we don't. Why? Because there is someone behind them that got you to focus on them. And now we are divisions among so many different people. Why? Because we didn't realize who was behind what had happened. If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. I just want you to see this whiteboard here. You're going to see me write things on it, and you won't be able to read a single thing that I write in it. I just want to... It's, it's therapeutic writing on a whiteboard, but nobody can read any of the stuff that I write. So I have really bad handwriting. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, I want you to see this. I won't spend too much time there, but it says, finally, brethren, after he wrote this entire epistle to the church at Ephesus, he says, finally, brethren, in light of everything I've written, be strong in who? How many have ever been weak? That produces something inside of us. What it tells us is, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I can't fight anymore. And there's a place that is so good about that because in our weakness, he is made, he's made strong. And so he says, Justin, I want you to realize there's another source of strength that you can get, you can 
you can get from. And when you're fixated on your own strength and, man, I, I'm, I'm just going to make this happen, what happens is you run to the end of yourself. And when you get to the end of yourself, you get depleted and you get weary and you start to lose focus and you start to lose, why am I in this and what am I doing this for? And you, you don't want to believe God's word anymore. You start to doubt his goodness. You start to doubt the, the goodness of other people and you start to lose sight of what maybe he's placed inside of your heart. And this is why this is so important, whether you're doing well or not, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then it says these words, and I think this is important for all of us as believers. He said, put on. Okay, now when somebody says, hey, put this armor on, it's not because you're about to walk out on a runway in a fashion show. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody's not going to be like, holy cow, you look awesome in that armor. <laughs> no, when somebody says, put this armor on, that comes with a shield, and it comes with a helmet, and it comes with a sword. What is it signifying? Get ready for a, a battle. A battle's coming. So Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus, hey guys, be strong in the Lord, um, but put on this armor that only the Lord can provide you. And he says that you may be able to what? So it, it wasn't to be a better believer. <laughs> this is a very cool distinction. He did not say put on the armor of God so that you can be a better Christian. He says, put on the armor of God because there's a battle and this will allow you to what? Stand against the wiles or the schemes of the who? The devil. He's real. And he, he, he wreaks havoc in many people's lives. And I'm going to show you how he does that in just a moment. So it says that you may be able to stand, which means tells me this, if we're not putting on the armor, we're not going to be able to Stand, which means this, I'm going to get pushed off the course that I'm going. Now, if we're going in this direction, let's say we're swimming towards shore, okay? I'm just trying to, these illustrations, as they come to my mind, they, they help you just capture what I'm trying to say. Is I'm swimming toward the shore and the current's with me, okay? However, however, how many have ever felt like the current of life was going in the right direction, it's like, man, life is easy. Wow, parenting is easy. Marriage is a breeze. Wow, business is a breeze. Why? Because everything seems to be working, but it's just a matter of time before what? The current changes. Okay, now get this picture. I'm swimming toward the ocean, and it's the current's going with me. Tell me, is it hard or easy to swim with the current? Easy, right? You feel like, man, I should be an Olympian swimmer. This is amazing how fast I'm going. When the current shifts and starts going opposite, and you're swimming with the same force, do you make the same amount of progress? I really, really want to encourage you with this. There are seasons in life, and sometimes we feel like, man, when I was doing this, I was rocking, and now I'm doing the same thing, and it's not doing anything. Yes, it is. It's keeping you from not going there. I'm telling you, some, I, I hear people question all the time, God, man, I was praying, and I was fasting, and I was doing the word, and man, life was going good, and we thought it was because of what we were doing. No, you live in a world that has different currents all the time, and now the current switch against you, and you go, God, what's wrong? What am I doing? Yep. You're not doing nothing wrong. There is an enemy that has the ability 
to change some currents in our life. And if we think it was because of us that the current, like the current is not based upon my obedience. Jesus said, narrow and hard is what? The way that I'm going to lead everybody toward. We're going, we're standing against something. There's an enemy that says, oh, you think you're a good swimmer? How about now? And he starts to stir up all this havoc. And then we start to go like, God, I'm getting what? Tired. And that's where he says, be strong in the in the power of my might, Justin. The only way that you're going to keep on swimming is if you lean on my strength. Now look at verse 12. Eli. Good job. Sorry, Michelle. Don't slap him afterwards, okay? (laughs) For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there is a battle going on. There's a battle that's being fought all the time. And I'm going to show you in just a moment what the work or the mission of the enemy is. But that word devil, and uh, me and John back there were having just a conversation about it because that picture is one who throws a ball against or like, let, me, let me change the picture. The picture is a kid who's in the back seat wondering whether or not we're there on a trip that is a 24-hour trip and we just left, okay? That's the picture of devil is just, are we there yet? 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 Are we? That's what he's doing. And what is he doing with that? He's trying to what? Wear you down. He's trying to convince you and persuade you and cause you to go, you know what? I'm done fighting this fight. I can't take it anymore. And that's why Paul said, don't grow weary in doing good. There's a due time that's going to happen inside your life. And so he's just trying to wear you down. And he's going to find whatever little in that he possibly can. So he's a slanderer, he's a deceiver, and he's an accuser. So he wants to deceive us. He's going to slander certain things in our life, and he's going to accuse you constantly of things that you've done before and thoughts that you're presently thinking. How many ever feel bad about the thoughts that you're thinking? Okay. I'm going to give you another illustration. It's an illustration I share with a lot of guys when it comes to the issue of just uh, negative thoughts that they're facing off with. Let's say I'm a bachelor, okay? I got an awesome bachelor pad. Um... And I just got brand new white carpeting in there, okay? I don't have any other furniture. I'm broke, bachelor. I just had enough money for some carpet. And so I have a, grass, a glass of red fruit juice and some crackers. I have no couch. I have no furniture. But I do have a TV with a TV stand. So I'm watching TV. I'm laying on the ground with my fruit punch, and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the fruit punch is a red circle on the white carpet. Who do I get mad at? yourself, right? You're mad that you what? You fell asleep, that you're neglectful, you didn't put the fruit punch away, and now you have to pay somebody to clean the carpet. What I didn't tell you is why you, while you were sleeping, somebody broke in, they realized there was nothing to steal. As they were walking back out, they tripped over the fruit punch, and they spilled it all over the carpet. Now, with that in, in, intel, are you mad at yourself? No, you realize somebody broke in and there's a fight now. I hope that it was on camera. I'm now going to find out who the person is that did this. I am telling you the same thing. The enemy comes in, he drops a thought, and you go, oh God, I'm so sorry for thinking that thought. 
And we think we spilled the fruit punch when God is going, whoa, whoa, he's tricking you. He's tricking all of you thinking that you're thinking that thought and he planted it without you even realizing that he planted it. And he's stirring up something inside of our mind over and over and over. And I just want you to know you're not the one that spilled the fruit punch. So start fighting the one who did. Are you following me? So the enemy just keeps on coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. But there is a point where he stops coming when he realizes that no longer works for them. This is extremely encouraging to me because I realize he can't outlast me if I just stand fast. He, he doesn't have the resources that God has. He has, un, he has limited resources, and so he can't put something toward me. If it's no longer working, it's no longer working. And if I can stand and outlast him, I can realize the enemy eventually goes, okay, I, that one will not work on that, that guy anymore. We no longer can try to persuade him about this. And so the enemy has one key mission. It's an overarching mission that when we leave these doors... He is out to hinder or put to an end God's work on this earth. Now, God works through who? Say it a little bit more confident. Us, right? Yeah, Jesus, yes. And Jesus lives in us. Okay, so he's going to now work through us through the spirit of God. So when we leave this place, guess what the enemy is ready to do? Hinder you from going and doing the work that God has placed inside of your heart. Nehemiah, it says this, and it's a cool passage. I think it's in Nehemiah 2, 14 or something like that. And it says, and that Nehemiah shared what the Lord had put on his heart. Now, the Lord didn't instruct him. The Lord put it on the heart to what? Rebuild the walls. So you have Nehemiah who now has something on his heart by God to go what? rebuild the walls. First, he needs favor from the king that he's serving. He gets the favor. But now, all there is, is what? Opposition every step of the way. I just want to encourage you as my brothers and sisters, opposition is a given. Like we shouldn't have any expectation that if I follow the path of God, it's going to be an easy path. He'll give you the grace He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the wisdom to bypass certain things. That's what I love about the Harriet uh, Tubman uh, movie that we just watched, that she was led by God on where to go and how to go and when to go. And it was just a great sign of realizing opposition comes, but they're no match for the wisdom and the insights that our Father can give us. And so, amen. That was an a impactful movie to watch. But so now he's trying to hinder God's work by what? Hindering her, hindering him, hindering her. And he's after hindering so that we no longer will go and what? Do the work of God. I'm going to show you how he does this in just a minute. And that's why Paul said, and the the passage is not on the screen, but he says that we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Now look at 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8 should be up there, is it not? You promise me? It says, don't get alarmed by the first statement. Read all the seven verses or, yeah, seven verses before. But it says, he who sins is of the devil. <laughs> that's a, that's a, let's just move on. 
For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus was manifested in the flesh to destroy what? What Satan came to do. And I want to I reassure you this. On the cross, Satan was disempowered. He no longer had power that he had prior to Jesus dying on that cross. When Jesus died and he rose again, Satan's power was completely eliminated, but he's still at work. And so God says, okay, I'm now going to infuse every single one of my sons and daughters with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead That spirit's going to live in Amy. That spirit's going to live in Jim. That spirit's going to live in Betty and Peggy and Tom. That spirit's going to dwell in every single one of you. And what comes with that spirit is power. Power to what? To to destroy the works of who? The devil. Every single one of us contain that power. Now, if we turned off, if somebody turned off the lights in here, please don't. I don't know how long they take to go back on. But if somebody turned the lights off in here, is there power going through all the circuits still? So it's not until you what? Switch it. Do we experience what the power is there for? How many is that true for us that we are lights in a dark world, but our switch is off? Hey, that was great, Justin. That was a great church service today. Man, I'm going to go out. And we never flip the switch of our power on. And so we go into this dark world, and what happens? We just look just like the world. We're just as dark as the world. Why? Because we never turn our switch on because we didn't realize who is in us. And so we see somebody who may be sick or see somebody who's discouraged or see somebody that desperately needs somebody to comfort them. And we look at them and we're like, man, I sure wish... uh, so-and-so is here. They could really pray for that person. And my goodness, they probably see God really impact their life. And so we avoid those situations. Why? Because we never flip the switch on. And we may just say, you know what? You're going to make it today, or you can do it, or pat them on the back. But there is a spirit inside of you that goes, no, 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 no. Invade their space with my presence for a moment. Love them right where they are and release my power into their life and watch me do a work inside their life. But we sometimes are so ready just to turn the switch off, let it remain dark, and we're like, God, where's the power? No, it's not the power issue, it's the switch. Turn the switch on. And so Satan has no more power, but he's still working. And he does it through what? Deception. He makes himself appear a certain way when, in fact, he's nothing like that. Can you imagine somebody that has been stripped of all his power but still is the ruler of this world? What has he got? (laughs) All he can do is trick us. All he can do is persuade us and try to wear us out into believing that he's something that he's not. Who has the authority? We do. He has none whatsoever against our lives. And yet, he's able to push us back. I I have many conversations. I realize in my own life how he's able just to slap us around, push us back, and tells us, you do not come past this line. And we're like, holy cow, what got into you today? And we get what? Intimidated because of what we're facing off with and the challenges that we're facing. And what do we do? We... And please, there's no judgment in what I'm about to say. We cower 
and run to God and go, God, please deal with him. And I can hear him just say, I already did. He is completely powerless. He's tricking you. Go back and tell him you're done. Or Mike, where's Mike? Go tell him, be gone. Yeah, but Lord, when I tell him that, he doesn't move. Keep telling him that and keep standing your ground on the word of God. And eventually he runs out of resources to keep on fighting in that area that you feel like you're forever going to struggle in. John 15, 16. Jesus was saying this. He was saying it to the apostles. I believe it's very true for us today. He says, you did not choose me, but I would. I chose you. Amy, he chose you. Nancy, he chose you. Marianne, he chose you. Judy, he chose you. But I chose you and I appointed you. Now, when a king does that and appoints somebody to go on their behalf, they have what? The same authority that the king has. And he says, I've chosen all of you in this room and I've appointed you to what? Go. And bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And it says that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he's going to what? So as I'm going, because I've been chosen and appointed, and I'm going, and I'm face off with the challenge, what do I have at my disposal? Whatever you need, ask in my name, and I will what? Give it to you. So when a, a king chooses somebody to represent him and appoints him and says, okay, now go. He's going to tell him, if there's anything you need while you're going, just ask, and it's yours. Because then, it's a partnership, it's a relationship. So as I'm going, I know I'm not alone, and I know that he didn't just give me everything so I don't need him anymore. I now go and I face off with this and he says, Justin, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of me. And so now I can go, God, I need wisdom in this specific area. But you know what most of us do? We don't. We actually, instead of asking him for wisdom, we say, God, I want to now tell you why I no longer can go. I want to tell you why I no longer can do what you've called me to do. Why? Because of this. And so instead of asking for whatever we need, we tell him why we can't do the very thing that he says, I've appointed and I have chosen you. So the Holy Spirit's speaking at all today. No, <laughs> nobody said yes. Okay, John 17, 18. Eventually he'll show up. I know it. So Jesus said this, he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, as you sent me into where? I also, that's where we belong. Yes, we gather here on a Sunday, we come together to worship God, to build each other up, to love each other, to encourage each other, to use our giftings, but he said, I've sent you where? Not into the church buildings of life not into the church institutions. I've sent you into the world, which is a dark place. It could be a scary place unless you realize who you are. And so just like God 
had his son leave all the places in the heavenly realm and says, I'm sending you to earth. He says, I also send you into the world. But I've chosen you and I've appointed you. Now, all of this is about to make a connection. So if you're, you're struggling to follow me, I want you to see something. Now, in light of us being sent, Satan now is attempting to do something inside of our life. He needs, in order to stop us, he needs to be able to take advantage of us or have the advantage. So if you're in a basketball game and, well, I'll just use my nephews real quick, uh, Nico, and, Nico and Gianni, they love to wrestle, but one has an advantage over the other. He has how many years on him? Three? Three years on him. He's taller and he's stronger. So when they wrestle, although you can encourage Gianni all day long, at the end, he's going to cry. <laughs> he's going to lose that battle. One day, he's going to destroy Nico. We're all encouraging that. That's, that's, that's my hope and my goal. But for now, Nico is at a what? An advantage, okay? The enemy is trying to get an advantage to you, but he doesn't have anything to work with. Like you have, what's the best hand in poker? Nobody wants to admit it. Oh, everybody wants to admit it. Okay, so royal flush, and he has four eights, five eights. Okay, whatever that may mean. That may be a good one. I'm not sure. So you have the royal flush. You've been given everything, and he has nothing. So how is he able to get in an advantage over? How is he able to do that? Can you imagine that? He is powerless. He has no authority. He actually has no advantage and yet, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should what? Take advantage of us. There's a place that he's been able to take advantage because of one reason. We are what? Ignorant of how he works. So how does he take advantage? Let me just, before, I'll probably get a little ahead of myself, but how does he take advantage? How could they do that to you? What did you do? He got you to focus on who? Them. And he got them. Or why didn't God come through this time? Or why did God allow that to happen? So he is playing a wonderful chess match while we're playing checkers. And we're trying to hop something, and we're not even allowed to do that. And, and he's got us all mad at people, mad at God, wondering why life is so hard, wondering why things won't ever change in our favor, wondering why this didn't happen when it should have happened, wondering why I did this for you, Lord, but this hasn't happened inside of my life. And what has happened? He's taken what? Advantage of us. Are you catching what I'm saying? And it says... For we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices, as I mentioned last week, it refers to an orderly, logical, effective arrangement of a steps followed to achieve a goal. What's his goal? Do you remember last week? To hinder every single one of you, not from money, not from nice cars, not from going and being happy. That's not any of his goal. His one goal is, okay, I need to stop her from being able to relate freely with God. I'm going to stop him from relating freely with God. Oh, I'm going to stop her. They can go to church. They can sing. You can read your Bible. You can do all those things. But he's going to hinder all of us from what? Relating intimately with God. 
You can know about God. You can study him. But I will not let you relate to him freely. And so he does it in two ways. Do you remember those two ways? He entices us with what? Sin. Will I buy into a sinful lifestyle? Will I enjoy something that I know God said, don't do this? I'm going to do it anyways because that's what I want to do and that's what makes me happy. And he goes, gotcha. Somebody who steps into a place and they commit adultery, guess what he did? He got him. I entice them with, this would be better. You will be so much happier if you have one moment with that person rather than your wife or your husband. And he enticed them with sin. Now, if he can't entice some of us with sin, what does he do? He entices us with what? Religion and function. He goes, okay, I can't keep them from relating with God here because when we start to live a lifestyle of sin, we can't relate with God. Why? Not because of him, but because of our conscience toward God. We struggle to be intimate with a God that we're, we're knowingly disobeying all the time. This one is, okay, God, I can do this. I'm going to really try to be a really good Christian, and I'm going to really try really, really hard. I'm going to pray a lot. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to be really, really good to people. I'm going to try to love people. I'm going to try to be kind. I'm going to try to be good. And so we just add one brick, another brick, another brick, another brick, another brick, until we just start going, God, I can't do this anymore. I know I'm so disappointing to you. I know I just, I'm trying so hard to be a good Christian, and I can't take it anymore. And we're weighed down by what? religious obligations on our life. And that's why Jesus told the the, the Pharisees, he said, you guys, you get somebody into your little place, and then what you do, you just load them up with the same abominable uh, pressures that you yourselves face, and you guys aren't even fulfilling the very things that you say. So he's coming to trick us by sin, or he's coming to trick us by function. So now what? What is our plan? And this is where we left off um, last week, James 4, 7. If you want to put that on the screen. It says, therefore what? Submit to God. I hope that you know that submission, it's surrender. I surrender to God, which means this. I give up my will and I receive his in my life, which means I'm not living for me. What I want, God, maybe you'll give it to me, but Father, what I want will not take precedence over what you want. And this is why I want to encourage all of you, before you say no to anything that God is presenting before you, ask him, God, is this what you want for my life? Be willing to give up something so that you can go, God, is this what you want for my life? And so he says, submit to God and what? Resist the devil and he will flee. I have a promise that as I resist the devil, eventually he will what? He'll flee. He'll flee. So I rest in this. Most people don't rest. Most people conversations are, I just can't fight any. Yep. He's, he's just, he's battling my mind. He's got my marriage. He's got my money. He just keeps on pushing. He won't stop. He's relentless. And then you want to share a promise. You go submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Does he come back? Yes. He will come back, but he will flee. There will be a place of reprieve where you go, man, I got it. 
I stood my ground. I stood on the promises of God. I didn't move from what God said was true, and I resisted the enemy and all the lies that he would bring my way, and he fleed. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. So, so be, be sober, be, be vigilant because you're what? Your adversaries. He walks around. He's looking for somebody to devour, and it says these words, resist him steadfast. In the faith, resisting is our responsibility, it's not God's, but it's not from a place of defeat or whether or not I'm going to win. We are already what? Victorious. This is one of the key ingredients of understanding how to resist is that the one who is pushing me back is already defeated and he is powerless he has no authority. He cannot make me do something that is against the will of God inside my life. Therefore, if he's pushing back on me, I realize, buddy, it's just a matter of time before you have to give in. There's no way you're winning this because you've already been defeated. And so Satan is coming for what? Your mind. John, do you want to come up here? Um, what's your name again? Timmy? Can I have a mic? I'll get it. Christine, I'm going to do the green one. Amy, if we have time. I don't have chairs up here, guys, so you just have to stand awkwardly in front of people. <laughs> All right, so I asked these two guys, and, uh, and I asked if they would trust me. Actually, I didn't ask you. I asked him. <laughs> I asked if they would trust me with sharing this in a, in a public setting. Is My brother here has battled um, negative thoughts ever since I've known you. Now, this is a very different man than when I met him. Amen. God has done a work inside of his life. He is, he is a guy who doesn't give up and quit. And, and I admire that greatly in, pre, in people. Now, when he looks at his own life, he doesn't see progress that may be somebody else, and we're all there, right? Um, and so we just had a good conversation on Wednesday night at the men's meeting that I want to replay for you, um, just to give, give you a little example. Um, my friend Tim here, and some of you are going to relate to this very, very deeply, uh, every single winter for how long? Yep, long time. Long time battles with seasonal depression. And he opened up to me last week about it and my heart just went out for him because I realized in his mind he only can see next year being the same thing and next year being the same thing. And how many have that picture in your mind of, nope, I see the negative. I see it happening badly again. And it's just a matter of time come September or October he knows, and this is what he said to me, this is the last year. Amen. I believe that. Now, whether he does or not, that's what the enemy is going to put to the test. The enemy is going to go, you, you, really, you really believe that? Okay. I'll see you next September. And I'll actually, I'll just feed you some lies all the way up until then to see whether or not you truly believe that. And then guess what's going to happen? Next September, and uh, Roberta, you actually gave me a picture of this. 
a dark cloud comes over your mind. And what do we think? I thought I had victory over, but obviously I guess I, I don't. And he got you. He just knocked over the fruit punch and he convinced you that it was something other than what it really was. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. I want to say something before you guys. Satan specializes in our mind, and he does it deception through suggestion. He's just going to suggest something, and he does it in such a way that you translate it into, so he'll suggest, he goes, why didn't God come through you, come through for you? Now, that would be easy if you knew who said it to you, but you don't, so you go, why didn't God come through for me? allow that to happen. Why did God allow that to happen to me? Do you see what I'm saying? He suggests something and we start to think it and eternalize it. And so he is attempting to what? Create doubt, which will lead to unbelief by introducing a contrary thought. So the only thing he can produce in you is what is contrary to what is already promised you. So Satan knows exactly what thoughts or suggestions to send in order to keep us in the place where we've been bound. So take me through just for a second the cyclical thoughts that come every single year. Um, so every year I get, uh, I have a cold too, so my voice is a little bad. Um, every year I get a little cranky come, come October time. You know, Christine can attest to this. <laughs> so every year it's just the same thing. I'm like, this year... This year, it was especially weird because, you know, winter seemed to come a little early. Like, we, we had three days of fall, I think. Um, and when it happened, like, I was cranky for probably a week, and, you know, my family dealt with it, thank God. But I almost beat myself up, like, oh, I should have seen this coming. Like, you know, I know this Okay, so I should have seen it coming yep. was a thought that constantly reoccurs. Yep. Okay, what are some of the other negative ones that come through? Um... You're, uh, you're, going you're, into like function is one thing because I have bought different bulbs for my house to mimic sunlight to you know because you know the sun's hardly yep. around in Chicago. Um, I, Christine and I were discussing it. And I'm like, you know, we're gonna have to budget for trips during the winter time to get down south a little bit to you know kind of get some sunlight, get some warmth. Okay, um, I want to stop you real quick. None of this is wrong, okay? But I do want you to see. What we do is we attempt to answer something that allows us to manage what it is we're dealing with rather than to overcome it. Now, that's okay for, for him to do that while he's battling, but sometimes we know I'm always going to deal with this every single winter, so I'm going to manage it by doing these things. But I truly believe and guys, if you disagree, that's completely fine. Like, this is between you and God of what you've, you stand on. But I believe there's a place of freedom in his life that come next winter, whether he goes to Florida or he does not, there's a place of joy and rest that only the Father can give because he's been set free from a depression that wants to come knocking on his door every single year. And even when he's free, will it come knocking? Yes. But he doesn't have to eventually open it. And when you don't open it year after year, guess what happens? The knocking does stop. Oh. Amen? 
I don't, I'm not trying to convince you of that, and I'm not trying to downplay. So keep on going with the, the process that you work through. Sure, yeah. So um, other thoughts I have is just not like feeling myself. Because I'm, you know, if you can ask the worship team during practices, I'm a very goofy guy. Um, and I don't feel like that during the winter. Um, so it's almost like a, a disappointment in myself for allowing myself to, to feel down rather than normal. So you shouldn't be this way is one that you'd probably feel like, right. why, are you, why are you dealing with this still? Why are you still struggling with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, another one would be, it's going to happen again next year. Yeah. You're going to just have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, probably just battling through the day, you said that you lost a whole bunch of motivation, yeah. and then you get guilty over not being motivated to do stuff. Yeah. I mean, you guys, some of you who battle with that, you know exactly probably what he's going through and the thoughts that just keep on coming, saying, you know what, Tim, it's, it's just, it's going to happen. That's just who you are. That's just your lot in life. So accept it. That's a negative thought that comes. Um, uh, Tim, it's going to come in the morning or it's going to come at this time and there's nothing that you can do about it. And even when the enemy speaks, you know what he's saying, I got you. And God won't set you free if he has, or if he could have, he would have done it by now. And if you're not free, it's because that's just something you have to accept. Are any of those related? Yeah, Okay. Motivation piece. Just yep. Like my whole thing, I'm trying to build a business and get income from my business, and when I am not able to actually do anything with it because of the seasonal depression, you know, I kind of get down on myself for that. So I know I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to medically do anything. I'm not dismissing anything medically. At the end of the day, I realize Satan is out to what? Hinder the work of God. How can he be effective father? How can he be effective husband? How can he be effective believer if he's constantly battling this depression. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Thank you, Tim. Uh, just stay up here for just a second. Now, John, we just talked this past week. There are some specific thoughts that are very cyclical in your life, which are, you'd mentioned. Not being good enough. Am I smart enough to go back to school? And which is one? Um, what I'm doing. I want you to see something. Every single time I see them, I'll say something like, watch this. How you doing, overcomer? Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> You're a champion. Yeah, okay. Yeah, see? And what he does is he dismisses it because of literally how he's been trained to think his entire life. I just want to say, stay up here with me, guys, but thank you so much for be, just being vulnerable because we all have different sceneries and different thoughts, but we all face off with the same crazy thoughts that come. When I first got the, one of the initial iPods, there is a game on there where I'm going to do my best here. And this is what I was showing John the other day. I tried to draw a helicopter, but it looked like a butterfly or something. It was pretty bad. But let's just say this. Okay, you got this base. And I do want to say this. If anybody wants to um, just tip their toe into renewing the mind a little bit, talk to my, my friend John Walsh back there. He, one year ago, he and I had a breakfast. And then one year later, we had another breakfast I felt like I was talking to somebody completely different. And it just wasn't because everything changed in his life. He changed. Amen. And so I want you to see something with this. Let's just say this is your mind, uh, which ultimately leads. Oh, don't laugh at my writing, Mom. Okay. It spelled it right. That's good. Private school, everybody. Private school. Um, so this is your mind and this is your, your heart, okay? So now... I want you to see this. Have I lost anybody yet? All right. She's walking out. Sorry, Bobby. 
You can't get the audio on this one, so it only had to be there to, to be there. All right, so this one, I want you to see this missile. So this, this missile. And so there is a game where a helicopter, do you remember this game, would come across and it would drop parachute guys. Okay? It, it's not bad, isn't it? That was pretty good, Carl. Okay, now I want you to see something. This, this helicopter came across and he dropped parachute guys. And your goal was to what? Shoot those guys away before they landed here and infiltrated here and then got down here. The enemy does the same thing. He comes and he goes, you're not good enough. Now, if you don't shoot, what happens to that thought? It infiltrates your mind and eventually comes a belief, a belief system where I go, you're a champion. And he says, yeah, right. Yes, you are. Yes. Yes. And so what happens is we start to agree now because this is now determining the way that I live my life. And so God says, man, you are an overcomer, John. I believe you are more than a conqueror, my man. In Christ, I have approved you. Man, I've made you somebody that by the faith of God, the greater one lives on the inside of you than the one who lives on this earth. And we start to go, what? No, 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 not me. No, there's no way. No, I've called you to do ministry. No, whoa, 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 God, you've gone too far. (laughs) We definitely got the wrong guy here. And what happened is over time, these thoughts have had their way to come down and they convince us. And God's saying, submit to God and resist the devil. And I am convinced of this. You cannot resist the devil if you don't know what he said. How many have ever, now just be honest, with two hands and two legs, have struggled to pray? But it's so easy to what? Watch a, I'm not against watching a movie, I'm not against watching sports, I'm not even trying to compare the excitement of them both, but I'm saying this, if we don't believe there's a spiritual fight, then why is it so hard to pray and to seek God, and to vote time to spend in this because the enemy knows, man, if they get this and they start shooting these guys, what happens is I no longer can infiltrate their mind, and if I can't infiltrate their mind, then what happens is they're going to start believing what I, God said about them, and when they start believing what God said about them, there's no way I can stop them because the only thing I can do is deceive them and try to convince them that that's not true. And so we are praying, God, stop the people from falling out of the sky. God, stop the thoughts from coming. He goes, wait, 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 shoot them. Like aim your gun at the thought. And I remember there was a young lady, 17 years old. She was, um, what is the one, I don't know if it's anorexic or bulimic, where you actually eat a bunch and then you throw it up. Bulimic. She was a full-out bulimic, and we went through, and I said, I want to know the top 20, actually 10, and we came up with 17 cyclical thoughts that keep on having over and over. 
I'm too fat. Nobody will like me. Nobody will ever marry me because I'm overweight. I feel better when I'm skinny. Da, da, da. The whole list goes on and on. Don't like how I look in this area of my body. I despise this. I want to eat, but you know what? I know it's going to make me this. And, and so just one thought after another, and we came up with something called a never again list. And I said, you know what? The only thing, and I want you to see what this is. Does anybody know what this is? So this is your mind and your heart down here. What's this? Your mouth. You will not outthink the enemy, but you can't outspeak him. Because when this is going crazy, this is meant to tell this what to think. And if you keep your mouth closed when those thoughts come, and what, I'm, I just want to read this real quick, and I know I'm running on time. I put this down. Worry is first a what? Thought. What's going to happen to your kids? And guess what? A thought. Rather than saying something, we what? Think about that thought. What's going to happen to my kids? How about this? Fear is thirst the first a thought. God puts something in your heart and you go, I can't do that. Why? Because you first had a thought of fear instead of saying, Father, I thank you. I can do what? All things through Christ who gives me the strength. And now what did you do? That thought came of fear and you said, I can do all things. And you knocked that thought out. Amen. That worry came. What do you do when, when worry comes? Father, I thank you that even if the birds of the air eat and the lilies of the floor, the flowers actually are dressed by you. Am I not more valuable than the birds in the air? Father, I thank you that I don't have to worry about tomorrow because you'll take care of it. And now what I do with my mouth is I'm shooting down these thoughts. And if you don't shoot them down, what happens is those thoughts get inside there and says, Timmy, you will, you will forever battle depression. That's who you are. And guess what it does when it gets to your heart? It paints a picture. So if I were to ask him, I know what he believes now. I know he told me this is the last year. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you every step of the way to watch this thing completely broken off. But the, what he believes and the picture he has are probably different. Next September, he can see it. And how does the enemy trick? September comes along, puts that little dark cloud over your mind, and what do we do? Here it is again. I thought I overcame it, but I guess I didn't. And we now, rather than shot it, we received it into our camp. And it infiltrated our mind and it infiltrates our heart, and that's how it becomes what the Bible calls a strong hold. So you have a girl who's told by her little brother growing up, you're so fat, you're so ugly, you pimple face, you're never going to be anything, you're so ugly. Now all those things are just a sibling rivalry, right? Until that girl gets to a place, that 17-year-old girl that I was talking about had the same situation, and somebody in her class said, you're so fat, and you're so ugly. Now, it reaffirmed what her brother said. Now, she believed it, and it became a stronghold. She now is an anorexic. She can look in the mirror. She's 65 pounds with nothing on her body. And what is she convinced of? I am? Yep. Because it's a stronghold now. And I'm telling you guys, he is after us in every single one of these things. 
Sin is a thought. Shame is a thought. Anger is a thought. Depression is disappointment is a thought. He is going to get us to go here. Oh, man, they're, 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 they're just too tired to open up their mouth. Okay, I got it. I got them. I got them in the mind now. And when I got in the mind, I got them. Got them right where I am. And I want to applaud Elizabeth. I don't know what your journey was, but three months ago, many of you probably don't even know it because she just, she battled well, is she lost her job three months ago. And I'm sure all the crazy thoughts came, didn't they? And I'm sure you expressed a few of them to me of, you know what, I don't know how we're going to make this, but she believed God, she didn't move, she stood fast, and she got the job that she lost back, plus they said we have to pay you more, and it's going to be less responsibility than what you had when you originally lost the job. That's three months, everybody. What about, what about day 82? And the enemy comes and goes, you're not going to get anything. And what if we don't say anything back? That comes into her mind and it comes into her heart and he tells John, John, why are you going to school? There's no reason to go to school. You'll never be in the ministry. ministry. And we go, oh my gosh, I'll never be in the ministry. Why am I going to school? What am I doing this for? And we start to just roll around that thought. And we start to now, what? The biggest word I can say, I know I need to stop, is we agree. And the question is, will you agree with God? Or will you agree with the crazy negative thinking? And how do you know if that thought is not from God if you don't know what he said? And this is why it's vital for you to get in this, not for you to have a better relationship with God. This is not a bridge, and oh, now me and God are good. No, this is something that he has given to discover who he is and who you are. So once you know who he is, God is always, he always has your best in mind, and he's always setting you up to succeed. I know that. I believe it. Good. When I face off with this circumstance and the enemy goes, how are you going to get out of this one? Why did God let, oh, you want to ask why God let me happen? I can tell you this. He is always good. He always has my best in mind, and he's always setting me up to succeed. So now I'm excited of what he's going to do to turn this thing around. I know I need to stop. Thank you, both of you fellas, very, very much. Thank you guys for enduring that. This is how you fight with this. This does not create something. This renews this so that you can think like your father and think what he thinks towards you. Father, I just take a moment right now. If every head would be bowed. Father, I know you are speaking today. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you're able to minister to each of our hearts that some of the thoughts that are coming, they're not even ours, Father God. We didn't spill the grape juice, but we're taking the blame for it. And we feel embarrassed about it, and we feel ashamed about it. I break that shame in Jesus' name. And I expose the devices and the schemes of the enemy and what he's doing to cause us to not be able to walk in who we are and who you are for us. I break that right now in people's eyes and their minds and their hearts, Father. Set them free to show them the authority that you have given to them 
so that they can believe what your word says, no matter what thoughts come their way. In Jesus' name, amen.